It's going to be one of the verses we're reading. Okay, we'll begin. Sorry we're a little late. I didn't have the link. Translation purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Such a liberated person is not attracted to material sense pleasure, but is always entranced, enjoying the pleasure within. This way, the self-realized person enjoys unlimited happiness, he concentrates on the Supreme. The Prophet's purport. Sri Dhrimunacharya. 21. Luna, mute yourself. Turn on his microphone, please. Edward Kidavadi Mamacheta Krishna Padara Vinde, Nava Nava Rasa Damanyu Ditamra Tima Sit, Kidavadi Bhattanare Sangame Smari Mane, Bhavati Mukha Vikara Shusti Nisthivanam Cha. Since I've been engaged in the transcendent loving service of Krishna, realizing ever new pleasure in Him, whenever I think of sex pleasure, I spit at the thought and my lips curl with distaste. Person in Brahma Yoga or Krishna consciousness is so absorbed in the loving service of the Lord that he loses his taste for material sense pleasure altogether. The highest pleasure in terms of matter is sex pleasure. The whole world is moving under its spell and a materialist cannot work at all without this motivation. But a person engaged in Krishna consciousness and work with greater vigor without sex pleasure, which he avoids. That is the test in spiritual realization. Spiritual realization and sex pleasure go ill together. Krishna conscious person is not attracted to any kind of sense pleasure due to his being a liberated soul. So it's Bhagavad Gita 521. Yehi sparsha boga tuka such a liberated person is not attracted to material sense pleasure, but is always entranced enjoying the pleasure within. This way, the self-realized person enjoys unlimited happiness because he concentrates on the Supreme. <laughs> So happy new year, everyone. Nice seeing you again in another year. In the Nectar Devotion, Prabhupada says that the conversation between Arjuna and Krishna appears to be just like an ordinary conversation on a battlefield, but actually it's a flow of nectar. And this is what's called Mantra City. Mantra City means that there's a flow of ecstasy between Krishna and his devotees, but sometimes that flow of ecstasy is captured in a snapshot. So that's called mantras. For instance, we have the Brahma Samhita, where Lord Brahma is speaking Chintamani, Prakara, Sadmasu, Kapa, Riksha. And one verse after another, there is a description of the spiritual world. But there's also something called swarasaki. Swarasaki means a flow of pastimes which are flowing through the heart of the devotees, the self-realized souls. This Bhagavad Gita is a collection of mantras, but it's also, it's a flow of a conversation. And none of the verses in themselves are independent, but they, flow into the next verse as they, as they became manifested from the previous verse. 
This fifth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is explaining about how a self-realized soul experiences the world. Arjuna was doubtful throughout the Bhagavad Gita, but especially in these first six chapters about which is actually better, meditating on the impersonal Brahman or engaging in oneself directly in Krishna's service. And in the fifth chapter, Krishna explains that, for instance, beginning in the one of the earlier verses, yoga yukta vishudatma vidritatma jitendriya sarva bhutatma bhutatma korvan natmiyam lipite. That one who works in devotion is a pure soul who, who gauges his mind and senses is never entangled, although he's performing many different types of activities. Yoga, Yukta, Vishuddhatma, one who's connected with Krishna and Krishna consciousness and is a pure soul. Vidhitatma Jitendriya, who controls his mind and senses, is dear to everyone and everyone is dear to him. Though always working, such a person is never entangled. So Krishna consciousness is not impersonal. It's a relationship beginning with a relationship with Krishna and then expanding that relationship on the basis of the illumination and the intelligence that Krishna gives one to relationship with every living entity. Krishna is in the heart of every living entity and every living entity is eternally associated with Krishna. Just like when, you water, when we water the root of the tree, and actually the water will go to the leaves and branches. So similarly, if we're actually connected with Krishna and Krishna consciousness, then whatever we do will also be for the benefit of all of the entities. We have the example when Krishna entered into Dwarka, not Dwarka, when he entered into Mathura, at that time there was one washerman. He was coming with a lot of clothing and Krishna asked the washerman, could you spare some clothing for my coward boys and me? And the washerman being a follower of Kangsa refused. As a matter of fact, he started to uh, preach to Krishna that it's not good to ask the, what belongs to the king. I have personal experience, the washerman said, that anyone who asks for the belongings of the king, anyone who tries to take the king's property will be severely chastised. So Krishna did not like the washerman's response and he took his hand and cut off his, the washerman's head with it. So Krishna is very expert at everything, including he shows us the original martial art Although Krishna doesn't have to practice anything, still he's quite expert. Now, later on, later on Krishna, he meets one, well, he meets a tailor and the tailor makes clothes for Krishna and the cowherd boys from the cloth of the king of Kangsa. And then still later, further on, he meets a florist who comes and gives Krishna very beautiful flower garlands, Krishna and Balaram. Now, the, one of the purports is that Krishna offered benedictions to the florists, but the florist, he only wanted benedictions that he may do good to, for others. That not only his benedictions would be valuable for himself, Krishna, for instance, gave him uh, Sarupya Mukti and all the opulence and benedictions of a long life in this world and good health, etc. But he also asked for the benefit of all living entities. An actual devotee, he sees all living entities in connection with Krishna. And because he sees that, he sees all of the entities connected with each other, just like the leaves and branches of a tree are all connected with the root, but they also have a relationship with each other. Now Krishna says 
<clears throat> that we have to understand yoga yukta vishuddhatma and then naiva kinchit karomiti yukta manyate tattva that a person who's actually connected with Krishna in devote, pure devotional service, he knows that whatever he's doing is not independent. That we ourselves are all eternally spiritual beings beyond the material nature, but <clears throat> due to our association with material nature, we've, we have the influence of desire. Desire can be either material or desire could be spiritual. A lot of what depends upon whether our desires are material or spiritual is who we're hearing from. Everyone has to accept an authority. One may think oneself to be independent, but at every moment, we're simply remembering the words of superior authority. Either we're hearing from the superior authority directly, for instance, if one is going to school and hearing from a teacher, or one is hearing from one's parents when one is younger, or one is hearing from a spiritual authority in terms of someone who's repeating the words of Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. So everyone has to hear from some authority and accept a superior authority and follow it. Now one who knows that one is Krishna's eternal servant one will be interested in hearing what Krishna wants one to do. And if one has identified oneself with one's gross and subtle body, then naturally one will be inspired to serve the senses according to the dictation. That's the difference between material and spiritual. Spiritual means that one is purely without motivation, serving the instructions coming from higher Krishna and his representatives. And material means that one is serving the dictation of the senses under the influence of others who are maybe more expert or for some reason or another can combat, command one to do certain activities. Now, Krishna says that Brahmanyadaya Kamani Sangam Tyakva Kurotiya Lipitena Sapapena Padma Patra Nivambasa. One who's unattached, just like the lotus leaf is on the water. The lotus leaf is on the water, but although water may come onto the lotus leaf, the, the lotus leaf has a kind of sticky substance or a smooth substance, so the water just glides off the lotus leaf and the lotus leaf is unaffected. Similarly, when one lives in the material world as the servant of Krishna's servants, then whatever one's experience in the material world, one becomes unaffected by it. Why? Because one has a deeper experience within, as this verse explains, that Krishna consciousness is really based upon not so much only tolerating what we know we're not supposed to do, but even more important is doing what we know we're supposed to do. Why? because if we do everything that we're supposed to do in the right consciousness, and that right consciousness begins with hearing how everything here belongs to Krishna as the background. That means I also belong to Krishna as everyone else belongs to Krishna. And Krishna has a mission. Krishna wants us to go back to the spiritual world, not only ourselves, but he wants every living entity, not only the human beings, for the demigods, the plants, the insects, the animals. But of course, the human form of life is the best opportunity to make progress in spiritual life by finding out what Krishna wants us to do and doing it. Haridasa Kaur, he was talking to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was lamenting. Because Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is being Sri Krishna, Chaitanya, Radha, Krishna, Nayanya being the combined form of Shimati Rarani and Krishna, his heart is full of compassion. So he's lamenting that, how can we deliver all these living entities, especially the non-moving living entities, how will they be delivered, like the trees and the plants and the insects? Haridasa Kaur, in order to pacify Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, don't worry Lord Chaitanya, simply by the loud chanting of the holy name, 
even the non-living entities will be delivered. As a matter of fact, the echo that we hear after we chant is actually the response of the trees and the other non-living entities. Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wants us to act as instruments in order to deliver his other children back to the spiritual kingdom. And if we do that, then we have no other interest. In the material world, anyone who identifies themselves with a gross or subtle body will have some interest in the results of what happens. But one who identifies oneself as the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, they want to do the best they can to help others become Krishna conscious. But the re final result, the final benefit goes to Krishna. If someone goes back to Godhead, then it's for Krishna's benefit. Our benefit is that we'll be empowered by Krishna, we'll be blessed by Krishna and his devotees, be able to perform our service, the most absorbed, uh, completely absorbed, or the most absorbed we can be in Krishna consciousness. If we're actually remembering Krishna, and remembering Krishna means progressively remembering his name, if we can just chant his name, and then if we have peace of mind or presence of mind, try to feel Krishna's presence in his holy name. Then we might spontaneously remember what Krishna looks like. Or, of course, we, we might also remember that everything here belongs to Krishna. Then we might become inspired to do something to please him. And then if we do something, we find out through the mercy of the super soul using Guru, Sadhana, and Shastra to find out what we should do and what we should not do. And if we choose the right thing to do, then, and we do it with care and attention, then the result is that we'll spontaneously remember Krishna, what he looks like, remember his associates, his forms, his quality, his pastimes. And that's the nature of that is transcendental bliss and ecstasy. It's that transcendental bliss and ecstasy and love that actually gives us the higher taste by which we can become aloof from the allurements of the material energy. We're not simply trying to do things, we're trying to experience Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness is not just a theory, it's supposed to be an experience of Krishna. And that experience is supposed to be illumination and transcendental bliss and love. Then we can remain aloof from the allurements of material energy. Then sarva manasa, sarva yona, uh, sarva manasi, sarva manasi, sanyasyasti sukhambasi, naiva dware pure dehi, naiva koravandakarya. When the embodied soul controls his nature, and mentally remains, uh, rena mentally renounces the results of his activities, remains happy in the city of the nine gates, neither working nor causing work to be done. So in other words, if we actually are thinking about Krishna, that we're actually engaged in devotional service, then we won't be disturbed by our minds. And as soon as we stop engaging in devotional service, then our minds are there just made to disturb us in some way. Sometimes they may disturb us in a way that we think is pleasant, sometimes unpleasant, sometimes frustrating. According to the mode of material nature, we're being disturbed by. Then Krishna says, that one who has such a vision, if we're actually working Krishna consciousness, just like we have a coconut, a coconut, when it's not ripe, then you can shake the coconut, you can't hear anything. But when the coconut becomes more ripe, then the inside of the coconut falls out. And then when you shake the coconut, you can see that the inside is different from the, out, from the covering. Similarly, when we become more mature in Krishna consciousness, then we become aloof from the activities of material energy. And what do we discover? Narate kachite papam na papam sukritim vibhu agyane na vritam gyana tenamuyanti jantava. 
Nor does the Supreme Lord assume anyone's simple or pious activities. Embodied beings are, however, bewildered because of the ignorance which covers their real knowledge. So Krishna, he wants us to desire in terms of Krishna consciousness. Uh, the only thing we really have a capacity to do is to desire. In the material world, we're not actually in the material world, but we're conscious of the material world. We're eternally transcendental beyond the modes of material nature. In spite of contact with the material energy, Arjuna, we're neither doing anything nor are we actually entangled. Therefore, our duty is to find out what to, what to accept, what to desire, and what to not to desire. What to accept and what to reject. So our, biz, our first business is to find out what our business is. And then we can start asking, how's business? Unless we first ask ourselves what our business is, we might, not, we, might, we might wind up doing the wrong business. And then it doesn't matter how good the business is, our life is not going to be successful. Oh, as Prabhupada writes, desire is a subtle form of conditioning. So material desires are arising within our minds due to our past activities, our past association with the material world. But when we hear from guru, from sadhu and shastra, then also we have desires to become Krishna conscious and to distribute Krishna consciousness to others, to live a Krishna conscious life, to see every, all of the entities as Krishna's eternal servants and serving them accordingly. Become an instrument for Krishna especially means to become an instrument for Krishna's mercy to others. So that takes some transcendental discrimination and transcendental expertise and loving exchanges with devotees. If we choose the right desires and Krishna will bring us back to the spiritual world. And if we choose the role, just like the air is carrying clouds, clouds that are actually being moved by the air, they have no independent ability to move themselves. Similarly, our desires can carry us by Krishna's mercy, either back to the spiritual world or to the material world. If we engage in the nine loving, the nine processes of devotional service, then this will develop our desires to go back to the spiritual world. And as soon as we stop following those nine processes, beginning with hearing and chanting, then our desires will begin to carry us away from Krishna into some other material platform. Now, Krishna says further on, Buddha Vishuddhya Yukta Dithatmana Niyam Yacha when one's faith, mind, refuge, intelligence are all fixed in the Supreme, then one becomes cleansed of full by complete knowledge and thus proceeds straight on the path of liberation. So what is that knowledge? Same thing all over again. In other words, we have our intelligence, we have our minds, we have our senses, we have our faith, we have our aspirations. When they're engaged in Krishna's service, especially in his, the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what will be revealed to us? What will we see? What will be the change in our vision? Vidya Vinaya Sampane Brahmani Gavi Hastani Shuni Chaiva Swapakecha Pandita Samadarshanha then we'll see all of the entities as Krishna's eternal servants. Whether it be a cow, an elephant, a dog, a Brahmin, a learned gentle Brahmin, all, everyone is Krishna's servant and we only have one business, to help them become Krishna conscious. Now in the material world, due to our past association, some living entities we like and some living entities we're averse to. So this is due to our conditioned nature. And this takes our mind away from our mission, takes our intelligence away from our mission of trying to help them become Krishna conscious. 
just like Lord Nityananda, he was going everywhere in Abhidweep, telling people, Bolo Krishna, Bhadra Krishna, Koro Krishna Shika. Didn't matter who they were, he, him and Haridas Thakur would knock on people's doors. And when people would open the door, Lord Nityananda and, and Haridas Thakur would roll on the ground in ecstasy and just shout out, Bolo Krishna, Bhadra Krishna, Koro Krishna Shika. Please just chant Krishna's name, worship Krishna, and do service to Krishna. Now, sometimes Lord Nityananda got a nice reception, and some of them they said, this, These two rogues are actually thieves. They're knocking on people's doors to see what's inside their house, and later on they'll come in and, and steal from the house. So get them out of here. Others say, oh, these are great saintly persons. Of course, we'll follow your suggestion. And immediately began to chant the holy names of Krishna. Now, of course, we know Lord Nityananda and Haridas Thakur also met Jagai Madhai and tried to induce them to chant the holy name. And later on, when Lord Nityananda approached them directly and requested Jagai Madhai, please chant Hare Krishna, we know, I believe it was Madai picked up a rock and threw it at Lord Nityananda and hit him on the head and blood began to come. But Lord Nityananda did not become angry. Instead, he continued to implore them, it doesn't matter that you've hurt me, but still chant the holy name. Of course, we know that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to the Sudhasan Chakra and Jagai had tried to stop Madhai from further injuring Lord, Ch uh, Lord Nityananda. And later on, by the mercy of Lord Nityananda, both Jagai and Madhai were delivered by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this is the mercy of a devotee that in spite of whatever opposition they encounter, still they try to carry on the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and help other living entities come back to the spiritual world. because they see everyone is very dear to Krishna and everyone's purpose in life is to love Krishna and serve him. And then they'll actually be properly situated only due to some hallucination or some madness that living entities in the material world being influenced by the material energy have stopped their service to Krishna and instead are engaged in activities which are not beneficial for themselves or anyone else. So as a representative, as a servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, therefore the duty of anyone aspiring to become Krishna conscious is to help bring Krishna's other children, whoever they may be back to the spiritual world. If one prays like that, if one learns the techniques of doing that, then Krishna will become very pleased and bestow all his blessings. Now Krishna says, Ihaya ter jita sargo, yesham samyayistitam ranak, nidosham hisamam brahma, tasma brahmani te sitaha. Those who are established in sameness and equanimity have already conditioned, uh, conquered the conditions of birth and death. They are flawless like Brahman, and therefore they're situated in Brahman. So our, our advancement is not followers. Our advancement is not wealth and comfort. Our advancement is tolerance, equanimity of mind. That one can attain this equanimity of mind by seeing everyone and everything in relation to Krishna, then one is actually advancing in life. And by such tolerance, then one can easily remember Krishna and not become disturbed by anything external. And one comes to that platform that even at the hour of death, one will enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Krishna goes on to say, Niprarishat priyam prapya, no dvidat prapicha priyam, stira budira samudo brahma vid brahmani sitaha. Person who doesn't become joyful upon obtaining something pleasant, nor unhappy upon attaining something unpleasant, who is self intelligent, 
unbewildered and who knows the science of God is said to be situated in transcendence. So this is what we're trying for. Every day we have the opportunity to hear good news and bad news, to get something pleasant, something unpleasant. But we should try to remember Krishna. Try to remember that I'm Krishna's servant and in any circumstance, what does Krishna want me to do? How does he want me to react to this circumstance? How does he want me to think? How does he want me to feel? How does, what does he want me to say? Just become an instrument, Krishna tells Arjuna. We have no other business. We have nothing to gain in this material world. At the end, we don't take anything with us. Well, the only thing we have to gain is our absorption in Krishna consciousness by practice. Now, in the next verse, the verse I read, Bayans Parsheva Satatma, Vinat Yatmini Yatsukam, Sabrama Yoga Yuktatma, Sukam Akshayam Ashnute. One who's practiced like that, he can actually remember Krishna and experience what Krishna is like, a loving exchange, a loving relationship with Krishna and his devotees. Then one becomes so happy and full with oneself, it's like one is like an ocean. In the ocean, so many rivers enter into it, but the ocean is never filled because it's always, it's never disturbed because it's so big, it's so filled with water that little, even big rivers will not disturb it. So one who's actually absorbed in Krishna consciousness will not be disturbed under any material circumstance, but will act as an, a suitable instrument for Krishna to set the example for others and to inspire them to become Krishna conscious too. So one will be in ecstasy, but of course we have examples of different types of ecstasy too. Different devotees who found themselves in ecstasy by becoming aware of Krishna, by performing devotional service, but had different reactions because of their different types of association. For instance, we have Narada Muni. Narada Muni was a little boy Previously, he had been cursed to take birth as a shudra in Kali Yuga. Not this Kali Yuga, but some previous Kali Yuga. And he was, became the son of a, of a maidservant who was serving the Bhaktivedantas during the rainy season. Great devotees who were on pilgrimage. And during the rainy season, Chaturamasya were staying in one place for four months and continuously hearing and chanting about Lord Krishna. Narayamuni had the good fortune of serving them and by service to them, he also got a chance to take some of the remnants of prasadam and got some taste for hearing and chanting about Krishna. Later on, these Bhaktivedantas, they instructed him in the techniques of pure devotional service. Although he was only a boy of five years old, he had certain qualifications. He wasn't frivolous. He wasn't engaged in frivolous play. He was very serious about his service to the Bhaktivedantas. And therefore, by after the rainy season was over and the Bhaktivedantas left, by some providence, by some arrangement of providence, his mother was bit by a snake and died. So now, Dhruva Maharaj was a boy of only five years old. He had no protection, materially speaking, but he had the inspiration coming from the Bhaktivedantas, and therefore he went on pilgrimage throughout the whole world to gain experience. And during his tour of the world, passing through mining places and villages and farming and agricultural places, cities and towns, he decided to put into practice what he had learned from the Bhaktivedantas. And he sat down, as it says here, after that, under the shadow of a banyan tree in an uninhabited forest, I began to meditate upon the super soul situated within, using my intelligence as I had learned from liberated soul. And Prabhupada writes in his purport, one should not meditate according to one's personal whims. One should know perfectly well from the authoritative sources of scriptures through the transparent medium of a bona fide spiritual master, 
and by the proper use of one's trained intelligence, meditating upon the super soul dwelling within every living being. This consciousness is firmly developed by devotee who has rendered loving service unto the Lord by carrying out the orders of the spiritual master. Sri Narada contacted bona fide spiritual masters, served them sincerely and got enlightenment rightly. Thus he began to meditate. And of course we know that in his meditation that Krishna appeared in the lotus of his heart and every part of his body became separately enlivened in transcendental ecstasy. And he was so ecstatic, he couldn't see himself even as different from the Lord. Now, suddenly Krishna disappeared and Arimuni was feeling great separation from Krishna. And then by Krishna's mercy, he, Krishna talked to him personally and said that although you've meditated nicely, you've learned from your teachers, but still there's some things more that you have to learn. And therefore throughout this rest of your lifetime, you'll not be able to see me anymore. But still at the end of your lifetime, illumination and enlightenment will come simultaneously. Just like when a lightning appears in the sky, illumination comes immediately. Therefore, Narimuni went around the world for the rest of his life, that life, and at the end of his life, he got illumination and became the great devotee Narimuni. So this is an example of someone who followed strictly the instructions coming from his teachers, especially elevated teachers, the Bhaktivedantas, and applied that within his life and became perfect in one lifetime. Now we have another example of Daksha. Daksha Maharaj, as you know, was a great prajapati. And he was so elevated that when he walked into the arena of sacrifice for the demigods, being present there was Brahma and Shiva, but Lord Vishnu didn't come because he knew there was gonna be problems. In any case, Daksha became envious of Lord Shiva and because of the enviousness, there was a great disagreement between Lord Shiva and Daksha Eventually, Daksha had his head cut off and he took birth again as another Daksha, Daksha again. Apparently, he had learned some lesson because he realized that the chastisement that Lord Shiva gave him was actually for his benefit. But still within the seat of his heart, there was some materialistic desire. Although he got the association of Lord Shiva, and he, he was remote, was, uh, and asked forgiveness for his offenses and realized that Lord Shiva's chastisement was actually beneficial for him. Still, there was some seed of material desire in his heart. And in a very, in a future millennium, he took birth again as Daksha. Now that seed within his heart, because he's a Prajapati, inspired him to also take shelter of Krishna in order to become empowered for propagation of, this, of the living entities in this material world. And therefore he began by his great erudition to recite what's known as the Hamsaguya prayers. Elegant prayers recited with devotion and on, on that, as a result of that, then Krishna himself personally came with his associate demigods, Indra, Shiva, Brahma riding on the back of Garuda with so many arms. And Daksha, when he saw Krishna come, he was so ecstatic with pleasure that he had to sit down. Now Lord Vishnu was quite pleased with Daksha. And he said that you've offered me such nice prayers now I, I want to fulfill your purpose, which is to become a prajapati, and therefore I'm going to give you a very nice lady to propagate with, produce children, and therefore Lord Vishnu gave him the benediction by which he could practically have unlimited progeny with this particular lady. 
Now, Daksha was quite happy, but as Srila Vishnurati Thakura comments in his comments, that Daksha was given the facility for unlimited sexual intercourse. In Daksha's previous life, he was also known as Daksha, but in the course of performing sacrifices, he offended Lord Shiva, and thus his head was replaced with that of a goat. Then Daksha gave up his life because of his degraded condition. But because he maintained the same unlimited sexual desires, he underwent austerities by which he satisfied the Supreme Lord who gave him unlimited potency for sexual intercourse. It should be noted that although such a facility for sexual intercourse is achieved by the grace of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, this facility is not offered to advanced devotees who are free from material desires. In this connection, it may be noted that if the American boys and girls engaged in the Christian consciousness movement want to advance in Christian consciousness to achieve the supreme benefit of loving service to the Lord, they should refrain from indulging this facility for sex life. Therefore, we advise that one should at least refrain from illicit sex. Even if there are opportunities for sex life, one should voluntarily accept the limitation of having sex only for progeny, not for any other purpose. Carter Mamuni was also given the facility for sex life, but he had only a slight desire for it. Therefore, after beginning children in the womb of Devahuti, Karla Mamuni became completely renounced. The purport is that if one wants to return home back to Godhead, one should voluntarily refrain from sex life. Sex, sex, sex should be accepted only as much as needed, not unlimitedly. One should not think that Daksha received the favor of the Lord by receiving the facility for unlimited sex. Later verses will reveal that Daksha again committed an offense this time at the lotus feet of Narada. Therefore, although sex life is the topmost enjoyment in the material world, and although one may have the opportunity for sexual enjoyment by the grace of God, this entails a risk of committing offenses. Daksha was open to such offenses, and therefore, strictly speaking, he was not actually favored by the Supreme Lord. One should not seek the favor of the Supreme of the Lord for unlimited potency in sex life. So there's an example that if we maintain within our heart desires for material enjoyment, even we get some benediction from Krishna, even we personally see him, as in the case of Daksha, and experience great transcendental ecstasy, still that sex desire will not go away, that desire for material enjoyment will not go away. Because if we want to maintain material desires within our heart, then Krishna will not interfere with it. Another example is Bharat Maharaj. Bharat Maharaj, by perfecting his devotional service, he had reached the stage, practically of the beginning stages of bhava, perfectional stage of transcendental emotion for Krishna. But because he neglected the, he went off to the forest by himself, did not have the association of devotees. Therefore, in the course of time, he got unwanted association in the form of deer, deer cub. And because he didn't have good association, therefore he became attached to the deer and he lost at least temporarily his spiritual advancement and had to take birth as a deer in his next lifetime. Of course, later on, because of his very advanced state of Christian consciousness, later on he became a perfect devotee in the form of Jad Bharat. Therefore, important if we want to advance in Christian consciousness, is to maintain good association with devotees, especially develop a service attitude towards the devotees. And as Krishna says in the next verse, yehi sam sparshita boga, dukkha yona evate, adyantavanta kuntia na te ramate buddha. That an intelligent person doesn't take part in the sources of misery, but which are due to contact with the senses or their objects. O set of kunti, such pleasures have a beginning and an end, and so the wise person doesn't delight in it. So we should know that as long as we have a material body, that material desire will come and material desire will go. But one has to learn tolerance. And remember that fulfilling such desires will not actually make one happy. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants pleasure. 
everyone wants some exchange of, of loving feelings with others, but the pleasure and the impetus arising from the material senses will not actually satisfy one. Therefore, Krishna says, Now, before living in this material body, if one is able to check the force of desire and anger, then he becomes a yogi and he is happy in this world. So let us concentrate our, try to, by the process of especially <clears throat> chanting our rounds nicely, hearing Shemad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita regularly, worshiping our deities or even a picture in our homes, having regular association with the deity in some form or another, the form of Krishna, serve the devotees, make others into devotees, make the atmosphere spiritual in one's home, in the temple, outside, by distributing Krishna consciousness to others. And this way, absorb our minds in Krishna. And so when material innate desires come, arise within our mind, we will not become so, so much allured by them. And we can go on with our devotional service and gradually develop more and more of a taste and, and steadiness in Krishna consciousness. And one day be able to tolerate all the urges of the senses check the force of desire and anger, and actually be happy even in this world. So I'll stop there. Thank you. Any questions, comments? Yes, Druva. Druva? Is there some question on the line or something? Druva from Northwalk. Did you have a question? You have to unmute yourself. My apologies. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Please accept our humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Um, what was the number of the purport you read regarding meditation and Narad Muni? Uh, let me take a look. This is the first canto, chapter six. Uh, That particular purport. It says 1615. Could be off by one. My database is off by one verse usually. It's either 1615 okay. or 1614. Thank you very much. Anything else? Agni Hotra Guru. Hare Krishna. There is a question from Olana from St. Petersburg. One second, I translate it. Olana, you can показаться, пока я перевожу. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Spasiva, Oshoiza, Lexia. A Patrimu, Sri Krishna, Nivisyam, Pakazavit, Swo, Swaye, Shia Nye. Shri Krishna show his effulgence to everyone. His what? Effulgence. Effulgence. He is showing his effulgence to everyone. Can you see it? But his effulgence has been manifested in the material world as the material energy. Everything we're seeing is Krishna's effulgence. Sometimes it's not so bright, though, because of our vision. So what we're seeing before us is Krishna's effulgence, but manifested in such a way that it appears to be material to us. But there's nothing but Krishna and Krishna's energies. When we become purified, then we'll see how this energy is not different from Krishna. That is actually, it's a transformation of Brahman. 
what we call material is actually Brahman transformed by Krishna's arrangement. Yes, I need to go to. Uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. I have a question. At the last uh, lecture, Anna Bolkina asked uh, whether devotees need uh, psychology. I uh, would like to uh, clarify. Sometimes devotees study psychology because they uh, do not see practical knowledge in Shastras. Sometimes they believe that there is a uh, philosophy divorced from real life. How devotees study the Shastra so that they can see only practical knowledge and see only practical knowledge that they can apply in life. Sometimes devotees think that they need psychology. Need Panimaya. Sometimes. Yeah, anyhow, if we, the real psychology is there in Bhagavad Gita. Real psychology is Udrad Atman Atmanam Atmanam Avasarayat Admaiva Yatmano Bandur Admaiva Ripur Atmanaha. That a man has to elevate himself by his own mind, not degrade himself. The mind is the friend of the conditioned soul and can be his enemy as well. So, what is that psychology? Yayato Vishaya Pumsam Sangasti Shupajayate. That as soon as we give up Krishna's loving service, devotional service, then we'll be bored. We'll be looking around for something to enjoy. And then as soon as we find something that we think is enjoyable, then material nature will make us attached to it. And we'll become filled with lust and desire to enjoy it. And if we can't enjoy it, <clears throat> then the result will be, we'll become greedy to enjoy it even more. You eat a nice ice cream cone and you're ecstatic, but then after you finish it, you want another one. And then another one until you can't take any more and then you become frustrated. Why can't I get any more? Why do I feel so sick now that I've eaten so much? Why do I eat so much? And then one will blame everyone else because somehow or another they kept on handing me ice cream cones. I didn't want to eat them, but just to be polite, I ate them and now I'm sick. And it's all that person's fault who was giving me the ice cream. Then we forget that actually I was the one who was demanding to get the ice cream. And then we lose our intelligence and we in spite of the fact that we don't feel good, we want still another ice cream cone. The conclusion is that real psychology is to stop trying to endlessly gratify the senses. Recognize the delusion that we're in by misidentifying ourselves with these gross and subtle bodies. Try to remember who we actually are and use our intelligence in Christian service. That's psychology. Everything else is more or less different varieties. Hopefully, sometimes there's psychology in the mode of goodness that sometimes psychologists, they teach you tolerance. But without Christian consciousness, no one can refrain their senses endlessly from their objects of the senses. So real psychology is how to fix Krishna in our consciousness so that we become happy and blissful and therefore become aloof from the urges of the senses. So the gradually we become purified and we realize that we're eternal beings and that we're servants in the most beautiful, unlimitedly attractive Supreme being. And that when we're serving him and we, we can naturally do good for ourselves and good, do good for all other living entities. That's real psychology. Everything else is more or less madness to different degrees. Hare Krishna Gurudev. What's the difference between uh, casually uh, remembering Krishna like 
like uh, in a kirtan, for example, or like thinking of some kirtans while we're doing our things in the daytime or etc. That's very and, good. And associations. association. Mm -hmm. But the problem and, is the next moment we get carried away by our material desires. So we have to steady ourselves. Or as Krishna says, <clears throat> that being purified by one's intelligence and controlling the mind with determination, one should give up the objects of senses. So, let's see, where's, see if we can find that verse. Bhagavad Gita, chapter 6, text number 25. 24. 25. Gradually, step by step, one should become situated in trance by means of intelligence sustained by full conviction, and thus the mind should be fixed on the self alone and should think of nothing else. Wherever the mind wanders, Due to its flickering and unsteady nature, one should withdraw it and bring it back under the control of the self. So it's very good to think about Krishna, but we should also make sure that when we're not thinking about Krishna, then we withdraw our mind back so we start thinking about Krishna again. It's like when you put an iron in the fire, and gradually the iron will get hotter and hotter and hotter, and then gradually become like fire. But if you keep on, we keep on taking the iron out of the fire and put it into ice water, then it'll take a long, long time before the iron gets hot. So the idea is keep the mind in, the, in Krishna consciousness and don't put it into the ice of material existence and material thoughts. So it's good, very good when we can remember Krishna, but we should try to increase it every day, our steadiness and our degree of absorption in remembering Krishna. That will be, our sadhana will very help, be helpful for that. We are serious about increasing our remembrance of Krishna. Our sadhana and our service will be, will be important factors for our becoming more and more consistently and more and more deeply absorbed in remembering Krishna. Anything else? Uh, I have a question maybe, uh, again about the uh, nectar of instruction. It says, but I cannot, I don't remember where, that one, it gives examples where you can become, uh, how you can become in the spiritual world Krishna's friend. And then they give the three examples, like Sudam, like Sridam, and like Baladev. So I don't understand how, how we can become like Baladev suddenly, if he's an expensive, uh, most. Well, uh, there are different types of friends of Krishna. There's Priyanamas, there's... There's, there's namas, there's sakas. Krishna has, I believe, five different levels of devotee friends in general. So, Baladev is a type of friend who is a in the parental mood also. We can't become Baladev, but Baladev is also a servant of Krishna in a, in a, in a friendship as a saka. So he's in a certain category of sakas. Those who are older than Krishna, and treat Krishna as in a parental mood also, besides friendship. So that we can obtain. That's our, our rasa with Krishna. We're not going to become any of those Kaura boys, whether Shidam or Sudam or any of them. But we can become like them. We can develop the same mood of service that they have. Anything else? Anyhow, it's nice seeing everyone. Hare Krishna.
Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj.